Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to the Friday broadcast of Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett. You know, it is Friday, but Sunday is coming. So I hope that you'll be ready to worship this weekend. And if you don't have a place to worship, why don't you come on down to Hickory Ridge Community Church? We are at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. That's the southern section of Chesapeake, down there on Battlefield Boulevard, kind of across the way from the Toll Plaza, but on the old Battlefield Boulevard Road. So we'd love to have you join us at 9 o'clock or at 1045. Well, today is part two on Teamwork Makes the Dream Work. And I'm going to share with you today what will cause teams not to do well. And it's really one word. That word is selfishness. If you got a team member who is selfish, then the dream is going to turn into a nightmare. And so what do we think about selfishness? Selfishness is really immaturity. I haven't grown up. And so many people choose to grow old, but they never choose to grow up. Now, you don't have any choice about growing old. It's going to happen. As a matter of fact, I went to the eye doctor the other day, and I've been wearing bifocals for a long time. But he says, well, you might want to be thinking about trifocals. And, uh, you know, I kind of went to this eye doctor thinking uh, he was going to give me some really good news. But he says, you know, uh, as I look into the inner eye, uh, inside your inner eye, I says, I got some things that kind of concern me. And it's oh, great. What's the big concern? And, uh, you know, this eye doctor says that I have the starting of the formulation of cataracts. I said, man, that's, that's terrible. I'm too young to be having the formulation of cataracts. But he says, oh, yeah, you don't need to do anything just yet, but they're starting to grow. And so he wants me to do some things that will delay the growth of these cataracts. And uh, he says some other things you got to take care of. And I guess it's just one of those things about growing old. You see, I don't have any options about growing old, but I do have an option of growing up. I can do some things to mature. Paul says as he got older, the old body was breaking down, but he says he's being renewed daily inside. So when we think about growing up, God calls us to be mature. Now, the more mature you become, the more it is shown in your behavior, your attitude, and your speech. So when we look at the gospel, Luke 18, for example, is the parable of the soil and the seeds, right? And the seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go their way, they're choked by life's worries, the riches and the pleasures. And one translation says that these seeds do not mature. Why? Because they're choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures so they never mature. They never develop into Christ-like maturity. They never have put off life's worries. They have never put off riches and pleasures, and so they never mature. So you're never going to be a mature person as long as you are controlled by circumstances. Paul tells us that whenever we speak a message of wisdom, it's a message of wisdom among the mature but not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. So we can also learn that Christ-like maturity means I'm spirit-controlled, not driven by the wisdom of this world. And Paul takes it even deeper when he says to the believers at Corinth 
And he says, brothers and sisters, don't think like children. When it comes to evil, be like babies, but think like mature people. The New Living Translation says of that same verse, brothers and sisters, don't be childish in your understanding of these things. Be innocent as babies when it comes to evil, but mature in your understanding of matters of this kind. Paul wrestled with this his whole life, and in the process of wrestling with it, he says, I'm going to press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me. So I'm going to look at several passages today. I'm going to give you seven passages about spiritual maturity. Each one of these passages helps us to grow in our faith. Now, the Bible talks about spiritual maturity growing up into Christ. What does this mean? It means that we are living like Jesus. James tells us that the testing of our faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lack wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. Now, the growing up process is being more like Jesus, and that is a production of perseverance. Don't you love that word? Perseverance. God puts pressure on us so that we learn to persevere in our faith. Now, as you're an immature person, you're not ready for that pressure. Paul says, babies like to have milk. And that's a sign that you're still an infant. We are so blessed, my wife and I. We had our first grandson born almost eight months ago now. And we're getting ready for our second grandchild to be born sometime in June. And so I've noticed something about these baby grandchildren. They love milk. But as they mature, now I hope that my grandson when he's five years old, is still not sucking on a bottle, right? I hope by then he has matured. Paul says, babies live on milk. They're not acquainted or they're not familiar with the teachings about righteousness. But then he said, solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. So one of the ways that I know that I'm maturing is that I'm training myself through God's Word, through the study of God's Word, through a constant diet of God's Word. I'm training myself to distinguish good from evil. Now, in order for this to happen, we must have a change of our diet. We no longer are just taking the milk, but now we're moving on to the mature meat of the Word. As I've gotten older, I've also discovered that my doctor is wanting me to change my diet. Now, the dilemma that I have is that I have acquired a taste for a certain kind of food. The food that's not the best for you, right? I have acquired a taste for deep fried chicken. I have acquired a taste for pepperoni pizza. I have acquired a taste for extra thick chocolate milkshakes. Now, because I have eaten these for so long, 
I have a quieter taste for them. Now, dietitians will tell you that when you change your diet, at first, a change of diet is going to be terrible, right? You're going to try this new food. You say, man, I hate salads. There's no taste to a salad. But if you will change your diet long enough, you will begin to acquire a new taste or a new desire for healthy food. The same is true in our lives spiritually. You may not naturally have this desire to read God's Word and to study God's Word, but the more you get into it by changing your diet, the more you will acquire a taste for it, the more you will desire it. You see, it's kind of opposite of physical hunger. You know, when I get hungry, I wolf down a Big Mac, right? And then temporarily, I am satisfied. But then a couple of hours later, I'm hungry. When we get into the Word of God, we have this desire to consume more and more and more of God's Word. And we are satisfied, but we still want more. James drives home the point that we must persevere. We are persevering because it's a mark of growing up. So let's look at seven Bible verses that talk about spiritual maturity. Number one, Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Paul says, Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and move on to maturity. Okay, so a lot of Christians have basic elementary doctrines of Christ. They know that Jesus died on the cross. They know that he rose again three days later. They know that he ascended up into heaven. They know that he's sitting on the right hand of God the Father. They know that he loves us unconditionally. They may know that he's coming back again. They may know that the next event on God's calendar is the rapture of the church. Then it'll be seven years of tribulation. Then the second coming of Christ. They know that Jesus is up in heaven, and that's where they're going to spend eternity with him if they've accepted him as Lord and Savior. That is an elementary doctrine of Christ. Paul says, you should move on from there. Go on to maturity. That's a great foundation. But he talks about not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. So he says, that's good you have that foundation. That doesn't have to be constantly rebuilt. It's there. And if you constantly just focus on that one area of your foundation, you're actually involved in what is called dead works. It's a dead work toward faith and toward God. As a matter of fact, I was reading a stat that said the number one recruit for false cults, cults that teach a doctrine contrary toward Christ, are Baptists. You would think that Baptists would have a better understanding of God's Word. But see, they have enough Jesus to make them dangerous, but not enough Jesus to protect them from false doctrine. They have an elementary doctrine of Christ. Paul says, move on from there, not move away from there, but move on to maturity. And how do you do that? Through the instructions about washings and laying on hands, the resurrection of that, the eternal judgment. He says, and this we will do if God permits. So that verse, Hebrews 6, 1, began with a therefore. So every time you see the word therefore, you must ask, what is this therefore? It is always about what came just prior to that word. So in this case, 
It was Hebrews chapter 5, which was warning against apostasy. Now, apostasy is not a revolt or a leaving of the basic doctrines and principles of the Bible, the principal teachings about salvation. That's not what apostasy is. The way to spot apostasy is that they leave the elementary doctrine and they go on to maturity. In other words, those who move on to maturity don't get hung up into an apostasy. The author of Hebrews is telling us to move on from what we already know about the essential doctrines of grace and to not go backwards into man-made rules and regulations such as those contained in the Mosaic Law. He wants them to move on to those things that will help to identify apostate teachings. So when they encounter them, they know exactly what they are. So growing up, maturing, involves leaving the basic doctrine. Or I guess a better way of putting it is building upon that basic doctrine, moving beyond that point. Here's the second verse. Second verse on how to grow up. Paul says, 1 Corinthians 14, 20. Brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking, be mature. Here is where Paul contrasts maturity to that of being children, but not being childlike. We are to be children as far as our faith, and Jesus talks about that in Matthew chapter 18, but not childish in the sense of being foolish children who are of a young age. The context of this chapter, chapter number 14, is that the church at Corinth was trying to say they were superior to others because they had certain gifts that the others didn't. You see, they thought maturity was based upon my giftedness. This is similar to, I guess, two boys saying, my dad can beat up your dad. Paul doesn't want the Corinthians to feel superior to the others who thought their gifts were superior compared to the other church members. Pride was creeping in. At the same time, he wanted them to be childlike regarding what is evil, in the sense that they were to avoid that way of their thinking. Act like an adult, but not like children who sometimes argue over who is the best. He says, brothers, do not be children in your thinking, but infants in evil, but mature in the way that you think. There's a fifth verse that really helps us. Okay, so we've learned, first of all, that we have the basic doctrines of Christ, but we're growing on to that immaturity. Number two is we're not being filled with pride, and we're not looking at spiritual maturity based upon the level of my gifts or the number of my gifts or where I'm gifted, okay? And then number three is that we find in Hebrews chapter 5 that we are to move on into maturity, realizing that we are growing and learning. And let me read the text, and then I'll give you some comments on it. Hebrews 5, 12 through 14. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need somebody to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. 
For everyone who lives on the milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature. For those who have the powers of discernment, trained by constant practice, to distinguish good from evil. So this third verse is a verse that is talking about evidences that we're moving on to maturity. The first point is that we're going beyond the elementary truths about Christ. We're not filled with pride, the second point. We're not projecting our spiritual gifts like we're above everybody else. But this third point is a stopping point for a lot of people. A lot of Christians never get to the point where they are actually teaching others. Paul says they're still immature. They need somebody to constantly teach them the principles of the oracles of God. I guess this is the person that is constantly absorbing good teaching, loves good teaching, comprehends beyond the elementary truths of the gospel, knows a lot about the Bible, but is not teaching anybody else. Paul says that you need to move on. These verses in Hebrews chapter 5, verses 12 to 14, talks about moving on to maturity. The verses we read earlier, Hebrews chapter 6, 1 through 4, they were read for us to move on to maturity. Many in the church were apparently satisfied with just the basic principles, the basic oracles of God, and they're trying to compare them to babies still drinking milk. They have not grown up in the word of righteousness. It's almost like a type of laziness. Now, when we look at what we are learning here in Hebrews chapter 5, we're looking at those who are still drinking milk, not going on to grow because they're unskilled in the word of righteousness. Now, when we become mature, we actually become skilled in the word of righteousness. And by remaining immature, they will not be able to distinguish good from evil. Solid biblical doctrine is doctrine that will cause us to not only be strong in the Lord, but will help us to teach others to be strong in the Lord. Now, I don't think that you can call yourself spiritually mature until you have arrived to the point where you are actually leading others, teaching others. You see, Bible study gives us spiritual discernment and the ability to distinguish true biblical teachings from those that are false. But Paul says we ought to be teachers. This is a command that is given us. We ought to be teaching others. We no longer just need the basic oracles. We no longer just need milk, but we're feeding on solid food, and we're teaching others to feed on solid food. Well, let me give you the next verse. Ephesians 4, 11 through 14. He then gave the apostles and the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and the teachers for the purpose of equipping the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to be mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. 
Well, once more, we see that maturity is invaluable for this ability to avoid doctrine that is human doctrine, that is cunning, that is crafty, that is deceitful, that is schemish. Because children are not tossed to and fro by the waves of false teaching and carried about by every wind of doctrine. Now, this is a whole nother level of maturity. We discovered, first of all, that those who are maturing, number one, are those who are leaving the elementary doctrine or growing on past the basic doctrine of Christ. They are able to discern evil from good. They're not childlike in their thinking. They're able to teach others. And now Paul drives home the point that the mature are discerning. They're able to avoid being deceived by false teachers and by their teaching. So God provides us with teachers and evangelists and shepherds, and and this is to build up the body of Christ until we attain the unity of faith. You see, we can't go it alone. We need the church leadership and their teachings to take us beyond the milk of the word. Here we discover that those who are mature, they see the wolf that is in sheep's clothing. They see it coming down before anybody else even recognizes it. It sticks out like a sore thumb. Oh, I've got to hurry. I just got a few minutes left. Here's the next verse. 2 Peter 3.16. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and the unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you're not carried away by the error of lawless people and lose their own stability, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Oh, my friend, the Bible is difficult sometimes to understand in places. And those who are ignorant of the scriptures, they cannot take a text out of context and to make a pretext of it and to come up with a false doctrine. This is part of growing in the faith. One way to avoid this is that you grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord, which means that since Jesus is the Word, 1 John 1, we know that we need to be in the Word. If you are in the Bible, the Bible gets into you, and then you can write the divide and write the discern the context of false doctrine. I've got two more verses to give you and got two minutes to give it to you. 1 Corinthians 2.6, yet among the mature, we don't impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. Wisdom comes from other, more mature teachers. And that is why every Timothy needs a Paul. But this is not a worldly wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age, because they're doomed to pass away. This wisdom comes from the Holy Spirit, from the Word of God, and from the teachers who diligently study the Word on a regular basis. Listen, maturity does not happen automatically. It is hard work, because we can also ask God for wisdom, and there is no reason that He won't grant it to us. One final verse, Colossians 1, 9 through 10. And so, From the day we have heard it, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, 
So as you walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing in fruit every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Oh, I love this verse because Paul reminds us that part of the maturing process involves praying. Paul had his passion, and he was a praying man, and he prayed for the Colossians, and he didn't stop praying for the church. And what did he ask for? He prayed for them to be filled with the knowledge of God's will, to be filled with all spiritual wisdom, all understanding, so as they would walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and in increasing in the knowledge of God. This is an awesome thing to pray for when we are praying for others. Oh, thank you, Lord, for giving us your word. Be mature in the word. The most mature thing that we can do, if you haven't done so also, is to pray to God that the Holy Spirit will give you the wisdom of God, give you a love for the scriptures, a love for the church, and a love for God's people. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. God bless you. I look forward to seeing you this weekend at church, and I look forward to speaking to you again on Monday. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.